from the book of Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, the apostles were all, were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and all the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God decrees, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. A few weeks ago, my, my kids and I developed a secret code that we would speak back and forth to each other. Now, I don't want you to think I'm betraying them by telling you, because no matter where we go, they like to tell people about their daddy's secret code. The secret code goes like this. I say, to the moon, which means I love you, and my girls say, and back, which means I love you too. It's been sweet going uh, this way and that and just saying to them, to the moon, honey, and, they say, and back, daddy. Last night, I was getting them ready for bed. We read stories turned on the white noise machine that makes the wave sounds. We turned off the lights and had the little night lights in the air. We gave them their three gummy vitamins apiece. They get three a night. They lay in bed chomping on those gummies. And I said, okay, to the moon. And they both said, and beyond. I changed our code, but I knew what it meant. My heart was strangely warmed. Language, words, expressions, 
it all matters. It implies something, language. It implies that there is something shared. If words signify things, and that's what they are, signs about things, then language is a sort of contract between humans and creatures. It is a common set of tools and things you can work with to help communicate meaning, to analyze the world, and to even make meaning of our world. Therefore, language can be tricky. Amen? Before I came to Peachtree, I was speaking at a conference, a theology conference in Oxford. I knew the organizers. And so when I found myself in the registration tent, kind of where we gathered for most announcements, I, I heard one of the organizers call to me and say, Jared, help us settle an argument. He was debating with a professor from NYU, another Yankee, and I walked over and he said to me, what do you call this thing that we are in? And I said, well, we call it a tent. A tent? What's a tent, he said. You see, they made an announcement to go meet over at the marquee, and the professor from NYU comes over and goes, where is the marquee? And the guy laughed at her, and he said, you're in the marquee. I said, no, this is a tent. And he said, well, what do you call a marquee? I said, first, then the lights. Is this when I read to her? Well, only read to her after you sang to her. No, 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 don't sing first. Read. Took about two weeks for me to get it down, and on day 14, she changed. She changed. She got a new phase of life. And so, it, it, she, she, you know, those little babies, it's like two weeks. And it would, like, take me two weeks to get a hold of understanding what was going on, and then it would be gone. Why am I having another baby? Why am I putting myself through this again? Friends, it's a dangerous thing to think that we've got it. especially when it has to do with God and how God is working. You must never forget the big picture when you're looking at the small bits of the picture. These two things have to be held together, and that's why I love Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday reminds us of this truth. Yes, God has been speaking in particular ways through particular people and particular places at particular times. Pentecost is this wonderful, miraculous opening of the heavens into earth. It's this moment in the church's calendar where we celebrate our birthday because it's 50 days after Easter, and now the Spirit is pouring the Spirit self out on the early Christians. And, and it's this unique thing that happens where people are speaking in their own languages, and other people are hearing them in their native languages. It is this reversal of Babel. Yes, indeed, it's a reversal of the, of the mistakes of Babel. It's, it's a sign of unification once more, but it's, it's even more than that. It's this redemption of languages. It's a redemption of cultures. It's metaphorically God opening God's arms widely and saying yes to the world. Pentecost reminds us that, that God has spoken both here God wants to continue speaking everywhere. Sometimes we miss the forest for the trees, but God has claim over the forest too. Pentecost reminds us that God is fluent in the language of humanity. I heard that said or 
read that written by Willie Jennings, but I think it's so important. I'll say it again, and I'll say it to you. God is fluent in your language. God speaks the language of your heart. God knows who you are. And God is not done speaking. God is not done redeeming. God is not done inviting people to the table. Some of you really like to have applications at the ends of sermons. I don't often like to have applications because I think you ought to do some homework. But I have one for you today. Whatever can be said about this text and this day, I'd like to say this to you. It's easy for me, as it is for anybody else, to put down flags and borders. I think I got that idea. I think I know right from wrong. I think I know who's in and who's out. I think I can tell you where you're wrong and I can prove where I'm right. I think I can just mark the border however you want. But instead, can we lower that, the arms down a bit to walk into this world and meet people who are different, hear different stories and look at the pains that are different than our pains? Instead of judging, maybe the first thing we ought to do is walk in the discomfort, in discomfort of others' experiences. Isn't that more Christian after all? Walking in the discomfort of others' experiences. Because you know the truth is? Pentecost tells us that God has not done speaking. And God has not done including. 